Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Meet Bob. Hey, Bob. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as Premium Unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. All right, it's that time of the week again, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Time to talk about cars. We're the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 are the numbers to get in. Call me with your car questions. I got answers. I got opinions. I've got anything in between. All right, we're Buchanan Service Centers, 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, guaranteed brakes, 49th Avenue and Dodge. No reason to break down on Dodge because we're right here for you. I'm Kyle. With me today is Carl. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, first time here on the Mr. Mechanic Show. The afternoon show. Afternoon show. <laughs> yeah. I have priorities. Priorities. But everybody's got priorities. we got to fix cars right now, though. Yep. Uh, what do we got? we got no callers so far. Time to get in here. 558-1110 are the numbers. So... This weekend, car repair at the shop. Goodness. It's uh, been a month, really. It's been a month. <laughs> Air conditioning is getting to be fairly tame from what we've dealt with in the past decade. I mean, things are definitely picking up. Yeah, we've done a lot of compressors, I think, more this summer than most. But That's what I was going to bring up, you know, because in the past, I mean, you know, you get a condenser here and there, you know, gets hit with a rock or a bird or anything in between going down the road. But we're seeing a lot more increase in compressor failure and not so much like in the old days where they shell out internally. We're seeing electrical failure. All, all electrical this year. So, I mean, like... To put it into perspective, I mean, back in the old days, you had a compressor clutch that just kind of hung on the front of the compressor, and to get power and ground, it come on and turn on your air compressor, and you get cold air. So nowadays, we decided to change that, and we've got oscillating clutches inside the compressor that's all internal, and essentially they've done away with that clutch on the front of the compressor. Some compressors don't even run on a belt anymore, but... I guess this is our trials and tribulation to see how well it's going to last. The but electronic world. Yeah. And the amount of Freon you put in a car now has gone from three pounds down to ounces. Yeah. I mean, some cars are, you know, three quarters of a pound. But, yep. you know, the first time I saw that, I was like, <laughs> how is this even going to work? And then, you know, you charge it up. And, I mean, you're looking at lines essentially the size of a pencil and, I guess all of, all we're trying to do with air conditioning is just kind of move heat, more or less. But they'll get it figured yeah. out. In the meantime, I'll just keep fixing them. Yeah. 
Let's speaking of that, let's talk to Doug with a 2006 F350. Doug, what's going on today? Good morning, Doug. Hi. Uh, well, with all the traffic and everything, I was using my horn. It seemed like more than usual. It's just kind of Omaha stuff. Yeah, I get it. And uh, the other morning, about six o'clock in the morning, in my driveway, my horn just decides to go off and <laughs> wakes me up. Okay. Uh, and I was just curious on uh, why my horn would just come on in the middle of the night down here. <laughs> well, let's get to the bottom of it. So when you say horn, like the horn is just staying on, like you're pushing the horn button and it's just blaring at you, or is it sequential beeping? Well, I like I said, I used it in the afternoon a couple times coming home from work, and it went, it just worked normal, and then... I went to bed, and it was a Saturday morning, and 6 o'clock in the morning, it just starts honking on its own. Okay. Or just just comes on and just stays on. I, it sounded like a sure. locomotive in my driveway at 6 in the morning. Excellent. I bet the neighbors loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Your horn's staying on. So, I mean, it's a pretty simple system yet. I mean, they haven't really done much advancement to make the horn work. You've got a wire that goes up and connects to the back of your airbag module. And when you push that, it connects to ground and closes your circuit and relays come on. So, I mean, the first thing I'm going to look at close is, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, that airbag horn button. Is it loose in any kind of way to where it could possibly go to ground? And then from there, I'm going to pull that off, and I'm going to check the wire on the back of it. Make sure that that hasn't come loose from its connection and it isn't sticking to the nut that's holding your steering yeah. wheel on. That would be what okay. I think. Yeah. I wouldn't think it'd be in the module. I think it would be more in the yeah. context of the of the horn button. or. How'd you get it to stop? I... I uh jiggled the 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 steering wheel in the middle of the steering uh, wheel and it just yeah. it went off but yeah. but I pulled the I pulled the fuse on it so I wouldn't get the wake up I got sure I haven't I haven't been able to I just left it off and I haven't been able to honk at anybody <laughs> sure so yeah what I'm going to do first I'm going to pull that airbag out of there look at that wire it's just one black wire with like a spade connector that just plugs in it's going to look fairly simple to you yep. make sure that's plugged in and you know it didn't come off and it's touching the steering wheel and any metal parts that'll ground it out and cause that horn to go off if all that looks good then the next thing i'm going to do right behind that where that wire plugs in it's called a clock spring or a spiral cable they call it but it kind of it's one big wire connection for your airbag steering wheel controls everything but it just allows it so it you can turn the steering wheel and still have an electrical connection. Take a good look at that. So does that outer little shell just pop off there then? Yeah, on a Ford, um, that vintage, on the back side of your steering wheel, you can kind of feel around. There's going to be either two 8-millimeter screws that go into the back of the steering wheel. And if uh -huh. it's not that style, <clears throat> look at the bottom of the steering wheel or turn it so it's sideways you'll see a very small hole right in the center behind that airbag module, kind of on the steering wheel itself. And that really small hole, you'll get a straight screwdriver 
and you got to kind of feel around because there's just one kind of u-shaped big wire in there and you just want to get it kind of on there and you're going to have to push it really hard then that airbag is going to spring off of there okay yep fairly simple um if that doesn't help you there's a million youtube videos on how to get these out of there okay great but yeah easy fix you'll have it going in no time well i appreciate the info absolutely that's free <laughs> all right with doug dropping off that leaves a spot for you five five eight eleven ten are the numbers to get in wow not a lot of car repair this morning where's everybody at they're all down in your place getting fixed yeah well, <laughs> call i'll talk to you about what i'm doing today <laughs> somebody's got a call we'll help you yeah so there's another thing we're looking at here brand loyalty along the luxury lines we're talking top-end cars that are available to kind of our market not necessarily the ferraris and lamborghinis because everybody wants those What's brand loyalty would you go back to this car would you recommend this car to people around you land rover you know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so once they own one and they don't go buy it again, where do they go next? They just keep going down the line? They go to the Porsche and the Beamers and Mercedes and well, finally I know end up with a Chevrolet? Or... Yeah. I mean, and we see a fair amount of these, Land Rover, Porsche, Lincoln, Audi, Mercedes. Yeah. Yep. They are luxury cars. They have plenty of amenities, plenty of them, more than your Chevy Cruze, more than... You know, the yep. Impala, the Taurus, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, they're very luxurious, prestigious car, but they break. They, they still break like <laughs> the cheap ones. Yes, they do. <laughs> and they get expensive when they do. And let's talk about that here when we come back from a break. We're going to take a quick break here on Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 are the numbers to get in when we get back. See you then. Here's the story of Steve Buchanan. He always knew that he had lots of gas. What? For sale. But then one day he became Mr. Mechanic. Yeah. He was on the radio at last. Hey, and then there was this guy, his name was Mark. Hey, Mark. He looked a little weird, but he was smart. Mm -hmm. And then Steve said, you should come to Buckets. Yeah. Together we'll fix cars. Yeah. So then he joined him on, on the radio. All right, we're back. We made it through the break. So back to luxury brand loyalty we're talking. So we're Land Rover, Porsche, Lincoln, Audi, Mercedes, Alfa Romeo, Cadillac, Volvo, Infiniti, Jaguar, Lexus are kind of getting to be in the red. And, I mean, we see a fair amount of these cars. I mean, Alfa Romeo is kind of Porsche. Jaguar. I mean, they're limited in our area, but I mean, we're starting to see them. They got dealerships here in town. I mean, we see a few in the shops here and there. And I think the biggest downfall to people, I mean, yeah, they're great. And I mean, you get in there and they got everything you could possibly want in a basic 
car driving experience, I mean, but I'm kind of curious as to what they're basing this off of as to, you know, what they're, where they're getting their numbers. I mean, people not liking how much they cost to maintain and repair, the frequency of repair, you know, do they just not like how the car rides? So any input on that, let's, let's hear it. Five, five, eight, eleven, ten. You can call and give me your opinion today. So let's talk to Jim. He's got an Infinity, 2010 Infinity. Jim, go ahead. What do you got? Hey, yeah, uh, my son was coming out of Bozeman, Montana, pulling a U-Haul trailer. Okay. Coming up the pass as an incline. Well, it, the transmission kicked out of gear. Hmm. He tried it a couple times, and it seemed like it wouldn't come out of first gear. So he trailered it back, took it to a local shop, had the codes read, and made sure that the fluid was full and the fluid was in good shape. Mm -hmm. There were no codes. It was full of fluid, and the fluid was a bright red. Sure. So we took it out and tried it, and it works fine. Okay. My concern is, do you think we should take it to the dealer to have it further looked at? Well, or what do you think was the problem? Well, transmissions are susceptible to a lot of things. So you were pulling a trailer, you were going uphill. That's putting an extreme load on that transmission. And... You know, that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You know, you could have... How many miles does this Infinity have? Let's start there. Uh, 150. 150,000 on that. So, do you know, is this a CVT transmission at all? I, I really don't know. Okay. And what kind of Infinity? Do you got, the, like, the QX7, the SUV, or which one you got? It's. I think it's a... FX or QX. Okay, so yeah, you got the bigger SUV. Um, yeah. So under that kind of load, I mean, in Bozeman, Montana, I mean, your elevation's up there. I don't imagine that that would have a whole lot to do with it. But going up any kind of hill with a load on it, I mean, could cause an issue. But, I mean, generally when I see a transmission slip under a load, it generally doesn't get much better from there. In my opinion, I mean, something's happening internally. Either you are pulling too much and that transmission just can't take that. And now that we don't have the trailer hooked up, I mean, we've taken the incline element out of this. You know, we don't have any codes, but I mean, back in that era, yeah. I mean, those you sensors. Think we should take it, yeah. Do you think we should take it to a transmission shop then for? Yeah, I mean, look it, at it or just drive it until it quits. Yeah, it wouldn't really hurt. I mean, if everything's working fine right now, I mean, I don't see any problem in driving it until such a time as a symptom does occur that will occur regularly. Because, I mean, I can tell you if you brought it into me with no check engine light, no codes, the fluid's looking good, and I can't recreate a symptom, I'm not going to really have much to tell you. I mean, yep, I could. Yep. I could Definitely. I mean, that's no problem for me to take your transmission out and tear everything apart yeah. inside it and run a micrometer sure. over everything. I might find something, but in the end, you're just getting a rebuilt transmission. So yeah. it may be beneficial to you. Just maybe just keep driving it. See if something starts occurring regularly to where, you know, you take it to a guy, you can get him in the car. Here's what I got going. Yeah. 
That okay. might be that might be the thing to do. All right. Well, thanks, good. Thank All right. You. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate the call. Yeah, transmissions these days, and now we're getting into the CVT transmissions, and yeah. it's not the old year t- they started in Infinities. That could be in that. It could be. Yeah, Infinities just they're their own breed, but yep. yeah, fun car. All right, let's move on to another gym here, 2015 Subaru. What can I tell you about that car? I have a problem with the air conditioner. Okay. It's working really good when it's working, but at about 2,000 RPM, it will kick off, and it won't come back on hmm. until I turn it off at the switch or click the switch off, wait a minute or two, and then turn it back on. It seems like it's I threw the gauges on it and went for a drive a couple weeks ago, and every time it would drop, the low pressure would drop down to about 20 or below, it would kick off the compressor. Okay, and when that's at 20 or below, where's your high side pressure? What's that doing? Uh, It's running about 200 to 250. So no reason to kick that thing off. Um, And your compressor is what's shutting off. It isn't your blower fan? Right, it's the compressor. Okay. Well, have you scanned this car for any kind of code? Uh, no. Okay. So, first thing that pops into my mind, I have two things kind of stirring around in there. One is the high-pressure cutout switch. And that's Mm going to be over on the driver's side, uh, if I remember right, kind of back on the strut tower behind the battery and... I've seen sometimes where, and this is more of a constantly off problem, but I'm not saying that it can't cause multiple things, but since it's so close to the battery and, you know, somebody will clean the battery and knock all that corrosion down onto what's below it, you'll get a bad connection. And that could cause an issue to where, I mean, at 2,000 RPM, you might have some more vibrations that could loosen that up. It's a possibility. Don't rule it out. But secondly... Some cars, especially a sportier car like a Subaru, they'll have a <clears throat> a throttle cutout switch in the throttle body where at wide open throttle, if you're trying to really make this thing perform, it'll turn the AC compressor off. Right. You know, and that might be a possibility whether that's integrated into this car or not. I'd have to look at a wiring diagram and maybe do some reading. Um, but when this cuts off, are your fans running? Yes. Okay, so essentially the system's working good, and then that's why I bring up that throttle position sensor because it seems kind of throttle-sensitive to me, and we don't see it. Yeah, it's it's more sensitive as the temperature goes up outside. It can drive for an hour if it's 70 outside and doesn't have a problem, but when it gets up to 95, it'll kick out easily. Mm. Okay. Or is it just a little bit low on Fran? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, high temp- high ambient temperature is going to affect that. I mean, yep. check your charge, too. I mean, get a good check on that charge. Evac it. You know, see what's actually in there. Because if it's a little bit low, I mean, when you you get higher temperatures outside, could maybe cause this issue? You think it's possible that the low-pressure cutout is just sticking open? Well, it could be. Normally, you'll get a check engine light for something like that because it's going to want to know where that's at. Um, okay. But, yeah, you can put a meter on it and check that. 
You know, it should yeah. be a three-wire switch. You'll have a power ground and, you know, a signal reference wire, you know. See that one of those isn't dropping out. Pretty fairly easy test. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, other than that, I would check those couple things there, you know. Do you have access to any kind of a scan tool that might give you any amount of data? Okay. Well, I don't, but I'll, sure. I'll, get, I'll get to it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, take a look at those couple things there. If that doesn't work, I mean, call me back. Okay, will do. All right. Thanks a million, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. All right, what Jim dropping off gives you the chance to talk to us this morning on the Mr. Mechanic Show. Until then, we're going to take a quick break. 558-1110 are the numbers to get in when we get back. All right, we are back here on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 are our numbers to get in. Get in early because we are on the second half of this show here, Saturday morning, Omaha, Nebraska. Buchanan Service Centers, 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, guaranteed breaks, 49th Avenue and Dodge. That's us. All right, let's jump back into the calls. We got Brandon, 2018 Dodge Caravan. Brandon, talk to me about fuel here. Hey, love the show. Um, I was giving you a call. Um, the Dodge Caravan is rated for the E85, okay. and I was just concerned that it might be doing any some kind of damage to it or if I need to mix in regular fuel uh, occasionally, or if I can continue to pay about 260 for gas. Go ahead and pay it. It's rated for E85. It's got a yellow cap. That's what that engine wants to see. Yep, you'll be just really? fine running that if it's rated for it. It's when they're not rated for E85 and you put E85 in them. That's when you get some issues because that's a fairly corrosive fuel. Okay. So if your your van can have it, you got a yellow cap that says E85, go ahead and run it. Good to go. You can put in any type of fuel you want. It's just yep. okay to put in the E85. Well, thank you. You bet. Hope that helps you out. Yeah, E85 is kind of, I think it's kind of plateaued. I mean, we used to have like, every manufacturer had some car like, hey, we you know use yeah. E85 flex fuel. I figured it would have taken over more by now, I guess. But everything's kind of stayed the same, and, you know, you got a couple of years in theirs. But, yeah, if you don't have an E85 car and you put that in there, you're going to cause some issues. First thing you're going to see is the check engine light's going to come on because your car is probably running very lean. Yep. If it's running at all. <laughs> and continuing to use that stuff, I mean, it's it's corrosive. It's a very corrosive fuel. These E85 cars we're seeing, I mean, they use all stainless steel fuel lines, fuel rails, things of that nature, improved fuel injectors, you know, with no essentially steel parts inside of them. Because that stuff just, it corrodes. It's really funny to see it for the first time. And the first time you see a car in and, you know, you're fighting a lean condition and all your sensors are working fine, you know, you can't find anything you know, vacuum leak-wise, and you take a sample of this fuel, and it smells like the water after you boil sweet it's, corn. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole shop smells like it because you're draining the tank out of it and just hope it ain't in the wintertime. Yep. But, yeah, back to our conversation we've been having kind of on and off here about our brand loyalty on luxury cars. So, I mean, a few of these things are, you know... Maserati and Genesis, they haven't seen much of any change as far as a decline 
and people recommending these cars, people liking these cars, continued sales, increased sales at that. I mean, Genesis is a brand that we don't really see a whole lot of, unfortunately. I'd like to get more into Essentially, I think they're kind of a spinoff of Hyundai Kia company, but hey, those guys are doing good work, so let's see what they got on the top end line. BMW Acura. Those guys are kind of, I mean, they're up and coming as far as almost you know, close to average where yeah a lot of people we're are doing better than most, but here at the bottom end of our spectrum mercedes audi lincoln porsche land rover lincoln would probably be the one that i would pick out of there if i were to recommend one to anybody i mean just a normal round yeah. town drive it here and there car that's affordable and you know predictable as far as maintenance is concerned land rover i get where they're going it's never a normal repair when I see a Land Rover coming in. Never. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. I mean, I get why people like them. I mean, they're kind of a outback-looking, you know, drive-through-anything, yeah. tough-as-nails-looking vehicle. and Big solid. You know, I get that that's a sales point, you know, the you know how durable that thing looks, but, I mean, it seems to be that that's not the case as far as these reports are showing us. And I've had plenty of, I mean, you could go from one end of this spectrum to another and I could say, hey, yeah, I remember this one or, you know, these are the cars that there's always that one fix where you're like, uh, you just don't ever forget. Yep. (laughs) You know, you're going to see it again. Yeah. But I mean... Every car manufacturer has their problems. I mean, they just kind of pointed out these ones because these are the ones that you're, I mean, you go get a Land Rover. I mean, you're talking upwards of sixty to $80,000 for a fairly equipped one, not the top of the line at that. No. So, I mean, you spend that kind of money. You need to get that kind of reliability. I get where they're coming from here. But, yeah, I mean, this day and age, everything's kind of going electric and everything seems to be moving much faster faster than it has in the past i mean you go back you know 40 50 years i mean even back in the 70s and 80s 90s even i mean a car manufacturer would pick you know an engine you know like a chevrolet with a 313438 ford with a 30 and the 35 we'd use it in a lot of cars for a lot of years yeah it'd be I mean, and now, I mean, and we're going to classes. I mean, they're changing lines every year, every year. And EcoBoost has come out. And now we got a smaller EcoBoost. And then, well, let's chop one of these four cylinders off. Now we got a three cylinder. And guess what? We ran the oil pump off a timing belt. Yeah. You know, and. Yeah. You never seen a turbo <laughs> in a car back in the 70s. Hardly ever. No. And if it was there, somebody put it there. Yep. And, I mean, the 80s, I mean, I, the first turbo car that I remember was. What, that Buick Grand National? That 3.8? Yeah. <laughs> and people love those cars. Yeah. But, I mean, then throughout the 90s, it didn't really. Nope. And now everything's coming with a turbo. Yeah, the, the Thunderbird Coupe that had the. Yeah, the turbo, turbo Coupe. Yeah, those were One fun. of them, but. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and you had the Buick, the, what was the Buick Chevy 3.8 with the supercharger on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> then there was a couple of the Nissan Frontier pickups. Yeah, they that. came in supercharged. Yep. And I mean, did, I mean, they were kind of a fun truck to drive. Yeah. I mean, all those cars were fun, but 
it just never really stuck, and now everybody's on this turbo kick. I think it's because they're watching that Street Outlaw show, those little drag race guys, <laughs> and all those cars got turbos, so now, hey, everybody wants a turbo. We might as well just make it factory. Yep. But, you know, with increasing parts, I mean, we got failures happening. Ford turbos like to leak coolant. Chevrolet turbos like to leak oil, and they like to crack the hot side of the turbo, the wastegate chamber. I mean, yeah, things happen. Yeah. It's all fixable, but, you know, the thing is, are they repairing it down the road, or are we seeing these problems for eight, ten years of make and model? Before they modify it to make it better. And, yeah, they're changing. They're changing the entire engine platform, the drivetrains, everything. I mean, we're seeing new things come out every year. <clears throat> yeah, being a mechanic just isn't nuts and bolts anymore. A lot of reading involved. So if you don't like reading and, you know, you're looking at a new career path, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> I probably read seven books a week just in repair manuals. Yep. <laughs> and that doesn't count the online time when we get something in. Yeah. Yeah. Every system is just being, getting a lot larger and more complicated. Well, not necessarily more complicated. It's a necessary evil, if you will. But let's talk to Jerry with a Honda Pilot. Jerry, what's going on with hey, Jerry. that? Well, um, my husband has this 2005 Pilot, and it's probably got like 250,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And he just won't get rid of it. And it's to me, it's pretty a pretty big gas hog. Sure. And I was just wondering, what what can I do to at least try to reduce the amount of fuel he uses besides, you know, the way he drives? Well, that's a big factor. Um, <laughs> the things that kind of play a role in fuel usage. I mean, is there any check engine light on in the car? Does the car run bad? I, things like that are a big factor. Yeah, it's had a check engine light on it for like five years, but it still runs, so he doesn't worry about it. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that check engine light could lead you down a road. I mean, if it's an oxygen sensor... Something like that, you know, you could definitely change fuel mileage. I mean, are you going to see a huge, great increase that's going to, you know, totally change your opinion of keeping the car or selling it? No. What, what is the gas mileage you, you think is so horrible? Do you know? Have you ever checked? Sorry. Did I drop out? What's that? No, you're still on. Jerry? Hello? You there? We got you. <clears throat> Uh-oh. She lost. We lost Jerry. I think she actually needs to check gas mileage to find out what it actually, how bad it is. Maybe he's just driving more than he needs to. Yeah. Yeah, that could be the thing. But hopefully she calls back. In the meantime, yeah. we're going to take a quick break here at Mr. Mechanic Show. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race when the Fords and the Lincolns were setting the pace? That story is true, I'm here to say, because I was driving that Model A. All right, we are Motor back. Power hour time of the Mr. Mechanic Show. Last segment of the show. You got a question, get it in quick. 558-1110 are those numbers. All right. Pretty good call log here this week. Yeah. I think we covered just about everything. Hopefully everybody's getting fixed. A little bit of everything, a little different cars. Yeah, it's supposed to be really hot today, so get out there quick, get them fixed. 
get them fixed. Sun's not out, so it's not terrible, but 90s aren't the weather you want to be on a blacktop. Also, great weekend coming up for car shows. There's got to be one, two, or three kind of coming up. I think Valley Days is going on here in one of these weeks. Maybe it was last weekend. I forget. But a couple things going on around the area. The Sunday morning car shows happening, I'm sure. You got a hot rod, get it out there. It's getting into that time of the year. Get them all tuned up and ready for winter. Oldie but goodie. Yeah, put your studded snow tires on and your chains. <laughs> get that 57 Chevy out in the blizzard. Yeah. Don't see too many of those out in the snow anyway. Not anymore. Yeah, you got to get it. Yeah, we got Bob here with the Jeep Wrangler. That thing will get through the snow. What do you got, Bob? Hi. Um, I've got a problem with uh, when I'm filling it, filling it up with gas, it won't take the gas. i got to go really slow at it. Cool. And then also uh, where the odometer reading is, it says gas cap. Yep. Okay. Sure so. Does. When it says gas cap and you got any issue like that, that immediately tells me there's a code set in the computer relating to the EVAP system. And your EVAP system, you know, you got a vent solenoid, you got a purge solenoid, you got a charcoal canister and a leak detection pump right in the middle of it. So when you pump gas into this car, it's not like the olden days where you just got a vent tube that vents it into the atmosphere right out next to you and you see all the vapor coming out of your gas fill. But, um, it vents it through that charcoal canister and out through a vent solenoid. It has to be filtered, the EPA says, to cut down on greenhouse emissions. So the first thing I'm going to look at, I know these Jeep Wranglers, off of that vent solenoid back there in that fender, there is a filter. And it comes off, there's a little hose that will go up to kind of a higher point, generally the wheel well, which is not a great place to put a filter. Mm-hmm. But they stick it there. Yep. And they fill with dirt. So generally where I would start with this is I'll find that filter, take a look at it. Is it clean? If it's not, it's getting a new one. If it does kind of look clean, I'm going to take an air hose and see if I can blow air through that. Is there flow through there? And if there is, I'm just going to go back down the line. Is my vent solenoid staying shut? You know, is my canister plugged? A lot of these things, I mean, first start by, you know, scanning it, get your code you can Google that code. You know, there's Jeep forums everywhere. Somebody's seen it. But, yeah, th- those are the basics. Okay. <clears throat> but, yeah, start by scanning your code. You know, that might lead you somewhere. If, you know, you got like a 440 or something like that, it's going to be a code in the 400s EVAP problem. Make sure your vent's working right. good. That'll get you fixed. All right, thanks. You got it. Thanks for the call, Bob. EVAP. Another system we didn't see 20 years ago. Why do you have to have gas tank ventilation properly? Yeah. (laughs) You should just be able to stab the tank with a screwdriver. You can fill up wherever you want. Yeah. We got to have it. All right. But, yeah, the Jeeps. You can't siphon a gas tank anymore either. No, you can't. We're putting a hose down there. That's a positive, though, I guess. But, I mean, at the same time, somebody wants it, they'll get it. We've seen a million gas tanks with a drill bit in them. Drilled in it. (laughs) Yeah. What a mess. And there's no patch. No. Can't really weld them. <laughs> Don't want to weld them. <laughs> I would try it full. Yeah. But not a lot of problems we see with those Jeep Wranglers and EVAP. But, I mean, generally it always leads me to that filter being plugged with dirt because. Seems like gotta, in the Jeep Wrangler that's been the most popular. You got a Wrangler, you got to get it off the road. Yep. But. Yeah. Nobody I, can drive them down a concrete road. No. That's no fun. Nope. <laughs> Gonna take it off, climbing, budding, everything. Get water where water doesn't need to be, and then add dirt to it. 
guy pulled in the other day, and I said, how did you get that dent on the top of your fender? He said, well, I rolled it over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Flip them back, start it up, away you go. That's what he did. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, you don't got to check the oil. I mean, that system's all sealed. It might lose some washer fluid, but hey. Yep, that's jeeping. Yep. One thing that hasn't changed in 60 years. You got to have a winch, and yep, away we go. Yeah, what a fun time. We got Jeep clubs here in town. Those guys get out there. I mean, I can only imagine in Colorado, there's 10 times the amount of Jeep guys, but yeah. All the rocks they can climb up there. Yeah. How much fun. I mean, there was one I was looking at the other day. It was at a gas station. I'm looking at this winch, and this thing is, it's almost as big as the grill. And I'm, I'm like, you're not looking to rock climb. You're tying that winch to the cliff and just winching <laughs> this thing up the side up. of a mountain. <laughs> but anyway, that's enough right. Jeep talk for today. That's the end of our show. If you didn't make it in, you missed out. 558-1110 are the numbers to get in next week. Call us quick. Call us early. We'll get it fixed for you. I'm Kyle. Carl. That's our show. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.